Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we got our inside linebacker draft preview. Going to roll through 10 guys. Uh, Going to hit the top and then find some mid-round values that you guys might be liking on, on your list. Uh, and we're going to look at the, the Bills 2019 draft class. Justin, how you doing? Bobby Skinner, 20 days. 20 days. Jim Finn, number of days until... The NFL draft night, one of the NFL draft. I'm now, I'm getting more he was excited. the fullback of my childhood. Yeah, he's he's also a good-looking man. Um, that's that's one of the things that sticks out to me about Jim Finn. I'm really getting excited, especially as we're we're going through these positions. The interior linebacker class as a whole has a lot of depth in it. I think it's up there with cornerback and wide receivers, the three positions that have the most depth. Um, I'm excited that the Giants could possibly walk away with one of these guys. And excited that I'm going to be seeing you in a in about two weeks. How are you yeah, doing, my friend? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Two, uh, you know, I, what less than two weeks, right? Yeah, because you're going to come up the the Tuesday no, before two, the draft. Uh, less than less than three weeks. So yeah, um, but linebacker is a position of need, but it's not a position of must. I think for the Giants mm, right now. Good way to put it. Uh, you know, Tay Crowder right now be their number two inside linebacker. I don't think going into a season with him Slayer as a starter is the worst thing ever, uh, but it's definitely not the best thing ever. And, I mean, they didn't re-sign Reggie Ragland. It's kind of like Carter Coughlin is number three right now. That's it, uh, yeah. You know, like T.J. Brunson obviously can't really f- factor him into the equation. Um, that's that's kind of it, it that they have right now. So, we'll get into all that. First, this episode was brought to you by some special peoples. We got John Messina, who was the creator of the Danny Dimes nickname. I went back and found that back in 2019. Wow. Uh, it was Welcome. John Messina. John Messina. Daniel Swigart. Uh, he's in the world beater tour. We, we really do appreciate you, Swaghart. We got Ethan Horn with the E at the end. Ethan Horny. Mm. The jokes just write mm. themselves. The other guy's name is not his real name. It's one fishy scientist. Um, I'm going to make a joke, but half people wouldn't find it funny. Um, and B. Nash, whose father, Steve Nash, I want fired as the Nets head coach. But wow. even though we're still going to win the championship, and the Knicks still haven't beat us in over 300 days. Justin, who are these people? These wonderful people, you know where they went. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. $2 a month plus some other tiers like the World Beater tier. You can hang out with us while we record the shows live. I gave um, some Bleeding Blue updates before we recorded the show about some topics and also like future of the show stuff. And also Bobby Skinner will send you stickers, magnets, and twice a month you are entered into winning something from our store or anything you want if you win a raffle. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thanks, patrons. Thanks, Patreon. All right, let's get into this 2019 Buffalo Bills draft class and, and go through it. Um, I think it's a really good draft class, Justin, uh, except for one bust. I mean, that's Cody Ford in the second round, which we'll talk about. But again, I think it's it's a good value, even this, like guys who aren't necessarily like key contributors. It's like, okay, but for where you're drafted, this is a nice place to be, you know, four years later. Uh, or, or three years later. But it starts at the top, uh, round one, pick nine, uh, defensive tackle out of use. And got a lot of guys, Giants fans, uh, a guy a lot of Giants fans wanted, Ed Oliver. You know, I know Ed Oliver was a popular name if if Quentin Williams and jo- if the Raiders didn't throw a wrench with the Cleveland Fer- Farrell pick, Ed Oliver was on a lot of Giants fans' radar, uh, including myself out of Houston. Uh, the the Bills are going to pick up his fifth year option uh, when that comes this uh, after the draft. He played. He's been playing sixty percent of the snaps at that defensive tackle spot for them. Justin, he broke out for them this past year. Like he had been a solid player for them this past year. He really broke out. 
you know, he played. He had 41 tackles, four sacks, 10 uh, tackles for loss, 14 QB hits. Was fifth for all of defensive tackles and 10 ta- and tackles for loss. Was 11th for QB hits. Uh, generated a lot of double teams. In fact, let you know, star uh, uh, Ludulele, uh, former Dave Gettleman draft pick, who we've talked about on this. They podcast. released him. Yeah, like he, but he uh, it, it helped him produce and have some like pass rush win reps earlier in the season. Yeah, uh, by by you know pulling so many double teams. Uh, so like. You can argue the value of the defensive tackle spot at pick nine um, for a guy who's playing, you know, only 60% of the snaps. Yeah. Um, but as just far as Ed Oliver as a player, this was a good pick. It didn't, and it took a little time to bust burst out, but at the end of the day, it's a good pick. Yeah, like we're, like we were hoping that Ed Oliver's third year was going to be Dexter Lawrence's year three, right? Yes, yes, ex- exactly that. Um, you know, he had an AV of 10 on pro football reference, which if I'm seeing that you're having a, an AV of, you know, that's approximate value. If I see that it's around 10, um, that means you're having a really good season. And yeah, that, that's the only thing that my mind goes to Bobby is that, you know, Hey, and it was the same thing with Dalvin Tomlinson and extending him. If you're only on the field for 60% of the snaps, should we be allocating all these big resources to you? But also Leslie Frazier's defense is different than, you know, most defenses, it's a four, three, and the way that they prioritize big guys up front, um, you know, they may be prioritizing uh, size over athleticism. And certainly, you know, Ed Oliver, you know, on the inside, he's going to be expected to clog holes a little bit more than let's say a Leonard Williams type of guy where he's a defensive end in that three, four system. He's expected to have a lot of production, have a lot of value. Yeah, and, and and he did well as a pass rusher. You know, uh, you know, fourteen QB hits, which was eleventh for defense tackles, um, in the run game, the tackles for a loss. Like Ed Oliver is, is athletic for his size, and in that defense, because it's it's a lot like it's like the four three version of what Patrick Graham did, and and some you know a few yeah. other teams around the league do. Um, it puts a lot of stress on your defensive tackles because they're putting so much. They're letting their linebackers get back in coverage. Um, you know, and like, hey, you got to be able to get to the QB with four, and Ed Oliver was a big part of that. So, um, I don't think this isn't like a slam dunk home run first round pick, uh, ninth overall. Um, but I mean, I guess you look at the board after that, and I th- I think the the Bills feel pretty good about it. I mean, after that, who, who was the big name that came off the board? Like, you could argue Brian Burns, but I don't think Brian Burns is as good as his stats actually say. Um, good player, Ed Oliver. You know, has been a good pick for them. He's also still 24, and he's on the early side of 24, so that's a huge plus too. Where the fact you know now that you're three years in, you have the fifth year option looming that they you know probably pick up, and if two more years like on that rookie deal, I consider that a win. You know the fact that you drafted this guy so young, and now still very very young, and hopefully the Bills are going to keep him, and that's a and that's a good first round pick. Round two, pick 38. No ways around this. This was a bust. A huge, huge bust. Cody Ford, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma. I mean, he has been very bad for them. He started his first season, um, you know, got moved into the lineup and started at right tackle. Uh, then uh, in 2020, they were like, all right, we're going to move him to guard, start him at right guard. Then they switched him to left guard. Uh, and then he tore his meniscus, but again, wasn't playing good in general. And then 2021, they're like, all right, we're going to start you at right guard again. Got benched after three weeks, giving up 12 pressures versus Washington, which Jonathan Allen is a beast, but he still shouldn't be giving up 12 pressures. That's a lot for one game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he started seven games last year because, you know, obviously the Bills had to play a little the musical chairs with their O line with COVID and injuries and everything. Uh, he, you know, he gave up 26 pressures and seven starts. He has been a flat out bust. I mean, they're, he's a 2019 second round pick, and he's been benched 
on an offensive line that's really not that good anyways for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, expect you know they need help at guard and they tried like all right let's try him to tackle the guard and he's just been a, a horrible pick for them like he, it's been a haunting pick for the Bills. I will say the worry in the back of my mind is even if Neil and Aquanu are off the board but they still try and force a Charles Cross pick. I'm not going to bank on that. Oh, they know what they're doing with the offensive line because there have been some misses that the Buffalo Bills have had, including training away Wyatt Teller, who has turned into an all pro with the Cleveland Browns, like not being able to see that and how he can develop into that. So, yeah. And, and this, you know, when you, we go through all these draft classes, this is the biggest miss. Like the, you know, next Friday we'll talk about uh, AJ Epinesa, uh, but this is the biggest of misses of them yeah. all. Again, it's it's kind of like Billy Price. Billy Price was a first rounder, where it's like you're not. They were a worse offensive line, but it's like you can't make it the cut on this offensive line. That's an issue. In his third year, after being moved to guard, has been benched on a team that needs guard help. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cody Ford uh, injuries have also hurt him as well too. But again, at the end of the day, like he was benched because they gave him twelve pressures with Washington yep. and twenty six pressures to total and, and seven starts. Like that's. Like that's unacceptable play from, especially for a guy who moved from tackle to guard. Like you should be able to be a better pass blocker than that. So this was a flat out bust for uh, Brandon Bean, Joe Shane, and the Bills. Yep. All right. The next one is now we're gonna start. You know, giving some good ones, and we'll we'll try and go quickly through these um, and get to the linebacker preview. Round three, pick seventy four, Devin Singletary. Uh, running back out of FAU. Fun fact, you'll see they picked three different Florida players from three different Florida colleges hmm. uh, in this draft class. Yes, they do. Uh, he's been a hit. You know, he hasn't been like a home run pick, but he's been a hit. You know, he's averaged 4.7 yards per carry, uh, 5.2 or 52 yards per game in the last three years. Has been He's been their starting running back, and they drafted Zach Moss the year before. Um, year after. You know, was Moss the year before or year after? No, Moss is in third round pick of 2020. Okay, but he, anyways, he's been their starting running back. Um, now, the Bills do want a running back one. Like, I think that's a position they might address in the draft, uh, and, and maybe even early, you know, first round, second round. But he's been a hit for them. Um, and again, they haven't had the greatest, uh, you know, offensive line in front of them. He's been able to have 4.7 yards a pop, 52 yards per care, uh, game in, in a split backfield. Singletary's been a, a nice it's a nice third round pick for him, and that's kind of relevant because we keep on hearing third round running yep. back for the Giants right now. I think it's a lock. I think the 2019-2020 trend of Brandon Bean, Joe Shane, Buffalo Bills taking running backs back to back years in that third round, I think that's gonna be the money zone for Giants running backs. This is kind of wild with when we talk about all the needs that this team has, and we're thinking like I know it's about the future, but in a way, I mean, picking running back is about the future because... Well, it is, but... It's about what are you going to do when Saquon Barkley's not here? and Or what are you going to do when Saquon Barkley is injured? Because that is a thing. Like, tw- even 2019, when he had a good season, 2019 misses, you know, four, five, six games. And even when he comes back, he's not fully there. And it took him a couple weeks to get back. So, uh, it, it's, it, it is, even though I, I don't love it, I can see why it's building for the future while also drafting a guy that can play right now when you're when Saquon Barkley will not be there. So Devin Singletary has been a, a good hit for them coming from that third round spot. I get that. Um, but the Giants did sign Matt Breida. And, you know, Devontae Booker's a free agent. 
Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be stoked about those if Saquon Barkley goes like having those two as the backup plan. Um, no doubt, but also I wouldn't be stoked at taking a running back in the third round. I know I, I'm I'm with you. I, I'm wishy washy on it because I'm also biased because taking a running back in the third round would mean that Saquon Barkley's future with the Giants is, is limited, and the chances of him go of be, him being here long term goes down. And I will take that, but so I'm biased uh, from that standpoint. Round three, pick 96, uh, another third-round pick, a home-run pick. Dawson Knox tied down out of Ole Miss. Like, he's been a home-run third-round pick, the value they've been able to get out of him. Uh, he's been their starting tight end uh, in the last year or so. Uh, this past season, had 49 catches, 587 yards, nine touchdowns, 12 yards per catch, a 69% catch rate. Uh, been really productive for them. He's not getting a ton of volume on that team, but he's catching everything that's thrown his way. He's a uh, he's a fast guy who's able to stretch the field. He's a big red zone threat. He's got solid hands. Um, Dawson Knox was a home run third round pick for the Bills. I wouldn't mind if we used one of those third round picks on a tight end this year. Wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I would rather that than a RB. Uh, and you know maybe they'll do both with one those third round picks. Yep, maybe. Round five, pick one forty seven. This was probably the. I mean, he never really did anything for this linebacker, Vashawn Joseph out of UF, Florida Gators. Uh, he, he was cut in 2020, never played. Now he plays in the CFL. Happens. Fifth round pick. All right. Round six, pick 181. My guy, cornerback slash safety, safety now. Miami, Jaquan Johnson. I like this guy, my Miami guy. Uh, he's played like 10% of the snaps, you know, um, on defense the past few years, and he's been a core special teamer for them. I will say the one game where he got more than 13 defensive snaps this past year, he had one interception, one pass breakup, and three tackles. So he showed up in that game. Um, he hasn't gotten an opportunity to be the, a guy because they have Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. But again, I, I, I you know, the the cover one guys like him. You know, like you know, they know that he's not going to play because of those guys ahead of him. But they do like him. Uh, and again. We're talking going into year four, and a six-round pick is still hanging out around the roster. That's good. Yeah, and he played 44 games. Six-round pick, playing 44 games You know when the draft class was 2019. Solid. Uh, now let's go into the seventh round. Daryl Johnson, defensive end, uh, played a fifth of the snaps as a seventh-rounder in 2019 and 20, which is like, okay, that's nice. You know, had a couple sacks in both those seasons. Then they take this seventh-rounder who's been playing 20% of the snaps. They trade him for a six-rounder to the Panthers. Uh, and then he got hurt and put on IR for the Panthers in October, but that's that's a hell of a uh, uh, a finesse. You get you draft a guy in the seventh round, play him twenty, give, get a you know chunk of snaps out of him, get a chunk of reps out of him for two seasons, and then trade him for more than what you trade what you picked him for. That's a that's a nice finesse by the Bills. They yeah. do a lot of good like late round trades. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm expecting something to happen in, in the in the trade department. Uh, for for the Giants this year, so I'm expecting it. Yeah, I mean they just they're constantly working the trade talks. Maybe they can't afford all nine of these guys. Maybe. Yeah, but they can add other picks with trading. You know, random random dudes on this roster. You know, we're about to talk about linebackers. You know, who's to say they don't trade Tay Crowder for some value or something like? Um, you know, the, for some of the things they pulled off and we've seen, they, they do yeah. like to, I mean, they did it, uh, unfortunately they did it with a guy like Wyatt Teller. Um, uh, and I was just don't take Crowder as a name because of my linebacks from the head. And then the other seventh round pick, uh, pick 227 or six, 228, 228. How about that? Tommy Sweeney tied end of Boston college. Uh, didn't really play. And then this past year he played 30% of the snaps. 
Had nine catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown. He's a blocking tight end, but he's still on the roster. He's going to be on the roster going into next season uh, for a seventh-round pick. That's nice. I mean, our seventh-round pick from 2019 was Big George. Remember Big George out of Kentucky? Oh, yeah. George Asafo Ajayi. Mm-hmm. Remember when people were saying, like, we can't draft over, you know, you know, don't draft over. Anyways, that was my our early Twitter days. But I like Big George. He did well against um, Montez Sweat in college. He had a good, um. that was 2019, right? Yeah. He had a good camp. Yeah. Because I was well, there for he, that I think camp. It was, it was the last camp I went to. Um, big, we're, we're big, big George guys um, on big, this podcast. big, big George guys. We, we we like pictures. So that is their 2019 draft class. Uh, I'm so I'm going to read this ad, and yep. then we're going to get into the linebacker class for 2022. And this episode is brought to you by DraftKings. And baseball fans, it's time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take a swing at Stacks of Green with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Baseball Contest. New customers can play free for thousands in prizes with their first deposit. Pick a lineup of two pitchers and eight batters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash when you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. Bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets if your team wins their game. That's promo code JOHNBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. 21 plus restrictions apply and will be trademarked used with permission. See show notes for details. All right, Justin, we're going to talk, start with some of the top guys in this class. And I actually don't think this guy is too far-fetched for the Giants if a certain situation happened, not just a trade back. You know, if... Let's say Evan Neal, Kimi Kwanu, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau go to the top four. Let's yep. let's say that happens. Let's say we go Maud Gardner at five. Yep. Let's say the next best edge goes at six. Yep. Jermaine Johnson. Yeah, Jermaine. You know, fill in the, you know whoever theirs is is at six. So now you're the seventh pick. Are you taking your fourth best edge? We taking a wide receiver. And I would take this guy over Charles Cross. I would too. Are we, are we taking Charles Cross, which I think what the Giants would end up doing. Um, and that's Devin Lloyd out of Utah. I would take this guy over Kyle Hamilton. How about that? I'll hit you with that right now. I know that. But I have I have this guy as an A-plus player. I love him. Uh, we actually talked about him in our way-too-early draft preview uh, last off in the summer last year. Six foot three out of Utah, 237 pounds, uh, 33-inch arms, ran a 4.6640, 35-inch uh, vertical jump. I mean, just racked up the stats uh, his career at Utah. Um, in this past year in 14 games, 111 tackles, 7 sacks, 22 tackles for a loss, and 4 interceptions. Uh, and those interceptions are very impressive. And then obviously had good stats the two years before that in a total of 19 games. He's a do-it-all linebacker, and you can line him up all over, including edge. Including edge, and that can get a little interesting when you talk about like what happened with Micah Parsons last year. Great speed, range. Uh, and agility and just bursts and, and he uses it well like he just knows what he's doing his strength his strength isn't amazing but it's not deficient and again I think he processes things extremely quickly um, and moves up into his gap knows when the jump gap like I, I think he can he can make up for the mistakes of others you know yeah, like a, a, another player doesn't play their gap responsibly he can jump into that gap and save a play save a big play um, there is times where I think he can play up into the gap too quickly and get sealed off but that happens when you're an aggressive player. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Here's what I like a lot too. He sheds blocks in multiple ways, whether it's his speed, agility, dipping under, and he has really, really active hands, and he's got decently long arms and, and good size overall. Um, now, uh, they they line him up at pass rusher at times, um, and sometimes for like a majority of the game, like USC, they did it a lot. And he's got like real pass rush ability for an off ball linebacker. Like he, he has can some bend- better pass rush moves than some of the edge guys in this draft class. Yeah, like he can bend the edge. He uses his hands well. He can work outside in. Um, and then if you line him in the, in the interior on the A gap, is it like obviously if he's doing that versus tackles, he can really dominate. Now that being said, when he's locked up versus a tackle on the run, uh, he can lose that rep. Uh, you know, off the line of scrimmage. But again, he can. Uh, you know, he knows how to disengage those well. Um, in coverage, he understands zone and uses his instincts to make big plays. Go watch his um, his interception versus the Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Mm. Like, just a beautiful interception and turned it into a touchdown. Really good, and then obviously holds up in man, and he plays it aggressively. I I, I think I have, like, five A-plus players, like Ahmad Gardner, uh, Devin Lloyd, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, I, uh, Kayvon. Like, there's, I think I have, like, five A-plus players, and Devin Lloyd is one of those guys, Justin. Yeah, there are, there are some guys that we're going to talk about that were like, well, they're really good flying sideline to sideline, but they're they're limited when they're stacked up against blockers. Um, there are some guys that aren't athletic as, an, enough, and they solely rely on instincts, and that's why they're good, and that's going to kind of slow down at the NFL level because guys are just bigger, faster, stronger. Devin Lloyd, there's kind of like very little that he does poorly, um, and, and that's the difference between... Devin Lloyd and everybody else in this draft class where there's not that caveat of, you know, yeah, he has instincts, but he's not always just relying on his instincts. He's a really good athlete. He is one of these guys, which there's a shit ton of these guys in this draft class of those guys that can go sideline to sideline and just fly around the football field. He can do that too, but he's that's again, that's not the only thing that he can do. Um, And lining up at edge where I think there's one other guy that, really lined up at edge, maybe two other guys in this, you know, that we're going to be talking about today that lined up at edge. And one of them is Beavers from Cincinnati and he's not going to be taken. (laughs) He's a lower, you know, lower end of the, you know, draft kind of guy, maybe third, fourth round. So Devin Lloyd, there's very little that he does poorly. And I think he's going to be an impact player um, for a very, very long time. And he's also not one of those guys that is just limited to, Hey, you can be a will linebacker you're going to hit this gap and just go, go, go. No, I think he could be a Mike linebacker, and I think he can be like a captain of the defense and kind of control everything. Yeah, he can do it all. Yeah. Um, and then him coming in and playing next to Blake Martinez, and then I think he would get edge reps um, right away. And th- again, when I talk about him at seven, it's like worst-case scenario how the top six play out. Um, but if, if the Giants trade back, Lloyd should be like on their radar big time. That's um, who you know. first goes to my brain. Yeah, and, and I mean, it just popped, like, when we did our way-too-early draft preview, he was, like, projected in the mid-second, and I was like, this guy's a first-rounder. Like, he's like he's the best linebacker I've watched. Like, you compare him to the last year's class, and, like, he fits right in with that group of, you know, uh, uh, Parsons, uh, Zayvon Collins, and uh, JOK. Like, he fits in that group, and I had him, you know, like I think I like him more than JOK and Zayvon Collins. Uh, you know, and again, when I we compare him to Micah Parsons using like he can't, he's not the pass rusher that Micah Parsons would be. No, but he's the better off ball linebacker than what Micah Parsons was, especially in coverage. Um, you know, where Micah Parsons is a little more just see ball, get ball, which has done well. Um, and I think that's why he's translated the pass rusher a little yeah. better. I like, uh, I think Micah Parsons should make a full time move to edge just because too. of how, just and not because of he, he's a bad linebacker, just because of how good of an edge rusher he is. Devin Lloyd is not the same. Like, I think long term. 
he should be an interior linebacker, but he should be getting edge reps every once in a while. Yes, yes, and I think that would fit very well in a Wink Martindale scheme where yeah. you want, you want your linebackers blitzing, but also to get back in coverage. Like this would and be how a great unpredict pick. how unpredictable he he can be, right? Like what is he going to do? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I I I would be excited for Devin Lloyd. Uh, you know, I tweeted out the other day. I was like, I wish it'd be more responsible, and then for the Giants to pick him. But the more I think about it, I was like, I do think it'd be a responsible pick um, for the Giants because I, yeah. I, you know, if, if if we all talk about best player available, and, and then when we say a linebacker, people are like, oh, you can't take a linebacker. Well, Devin Nick, uh, Devin Lloyd, I would if we do trade back into like the fifteen range, Devin Lloyd's at the top of my list. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, it's more responsible than, and again, I keep on. I hate to keep on using Charles Cross as an example, but we're going. I'm going to. It's more responsible than taking Charles Cross because I think he's just a better football player. I agree. I agree with that. You know, we talk about you know best player available is kind of a myth. It needs to match need, um, especially when you're a team like the Giants. But also, you you can't reach, and I think Charles Cross would be a reach. But we'll talk about more about Cross in the offensive tackle preview. Next on the list is who I do have as the number two inside linebacker in the class. Uh, Nicobe Dean, linebacker to Georgia. I mean, this guy is just one, he's, he's extremely fun to watch. He is undersized, 5'11, 229 pounds. Uh, this past year for, uh, for Georgia, he had 72 tackles, six sacks, 10.5 tackles for loss, and two picks. He's a small player, but he's an extremely violent linebacker, uh, and he adds real pass rush ability. Sideline to sideline speed is really good, and he's elite moving forward. Uh, like his his burst and agility is a plus to me, and he just he fires through gaps with with violence, and he he, he destroyed plays for for the opposing offenses facing Georgia. Like if you watch anybody on that team, I thought Nakobe Dean destroyed plays for the other team more than Jordan Davis, more than anybody on that team. It was Nakobe Dean who was just wreaking havoc on offenses and and. Big part of that is the ability to slip through block with speed, bend, and agility. And his hands, again, are very quick and violent. Now, that being said, he does need to be a better processor, but I do think it'll come with time. You know, and, and because of his size, if he gets head up with an offensive lineman, he does lose that battle at times. But at, yeah. but at the same time with his size, he can get leverage and he can give offensive line real issues and really displace them. So it's kind of hit or miss with that. Um, you know, and, and then obviously his closing ability on ball carries is, is elite and uh, one of the things you notice is when he closing on a quarterback, he may not get the sack, but he'll leap up and get a pass deflection because he closes on QBs way quicker than they would expect and it's a blitzing inside linebacker too. So he's able to get up into that throwing lane. Uh, I think he's good in zone. He turns it into man with speed and agility to keep up. Uh, man coverage, I don't think he's great at, but I think he can be. Like there was one play, I, I can't remember who it was against. It might, I think it was actually Alabama um, uh, in the SEC Championship. He went underneath the pick on a wheel route and stayed with the line, running back, which is insane. Like on a wheel route, if, if the linebacker goes underneath, that's like an easy p- pitch and toss to the running back. And he was right in the running back's hip. It was unreal. Um, here's what I will say is my biggest worry about Nicobe Dean. They let him time stuff up and essentially run blitz and then obviously pass blitz a lot. I don't know how often he's going to be in that situation. Now with Wink Martindale, he would be in that situation a lot more. Um, than, than most teams but that is one of my worries is like he was able to time stuff up at the snap real quick and and had a head start on a lot of his uh, uh uh havoc wreaking plays which that is a skill and that's something that i talked about with Kayvon thibodeau is like that's that's something that he does he times up the snap now obviously they're playing different positions too but timing up the snap and 
getting a jump on that that is a skill that football players do have but i also understand the you know the concern of that too where maybe that won't happen as much on the in the nfl nicobe dean is the player that when you're trying to watch another player on georgia's defense which you know Every take time. Uh, take 5 of the 11 starters on georgia's defense you know maybe even more um they're all going to be in the draft this year but you're watching another player on on georgia's defense and this is my favorite part about the draft process. You're watching a player, and you're like, who the hell is that guy? Who, who's making that play? And N'Kobe Dean, every time, would make these wowzo plays, nutso, nutcase plays, whenever you're trying to watch uh, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, um, uh, Trayvon Walker, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that he would be the guy that, that would do that. Even when I'm watching Quay Walker, it's like, oh, there's N'Kobe Dean making a crazy play again. He's one of those guys where at least from day, uh, I think day one right away, Bobby, whereas Devin Lloyd can be like that number one guy. I think you put N'Kobe Dean right away as the weak side linebacker and just tell him to go. Like, snap the ball, attack this, hit this gap. Go, go, go. And if he flies, because he can do that from, from day one. The thing that I'm a little worried about is how well is he going to take on blocks and win at the point of attack on the pro level, um, especially yeah. if he doesn't have that head of steam, if he doesn't jump the snap, if he doesn't have that head of steam and he's kind of just relying on strength and block shedding, how well is he going to win at the point of attack? That's really yeah. the only thing I'm worried about. And, and he's, he's got he's to start processing things better, but I do think he will – um, do time. that better, time. you know, like yeah, you know, reps. yeah, with more. And this was his first time playing Mike linebacker. You know, Monty Rice was their Mike linebacker last off season. You know, so you know that's why in like seven he had less tackles. Um, you know, good a good chunk less of tackles last year. And again, we, me and you both like Monty Rice. Every year, I like a Georgia linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this year, hell, we might even like three of these sons of sons of guns. So yeah. Now that being said, when if we do trade down, I don't know if Dean is the right target for the Giants. Um, I, I see Dean as like, if somehow in hell his size makes him the fall to 36, that's where I could see Dean being a target. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there, but also fit wise for Wink Martindale. I don't know if I would rather have Dean or the next guy on our list. Yeah. I mean, these top three guys who are my top three, just in general, like all would fit great. And the next guy on the list, I love this guy. Fell in love with him. Fell in love when he was working Tyler Linderbaum's ass, little small ass. Leo Chanel, linebacker out of Wisco, Wisconsin, six foot three, two hundred fifty pounds. Oh, he's not athletic. Well, guess what? He ran a fucking four five three at the forty. Whoa. Had a forty and a half inch vertical jump. So here, how's that for athletic? And this past season, in eleven games, he had one hundred fifteen tackles. That's more than ten per game. Do the math: eight sacks, eighteen and a half tackles for a loss. He's your prototypical linebacker too, who can do anything that's asked of him. He processes and diagnoses plays extremely quick. We actually talked about him on the mid-round prospect episode with Nick Flotta, which I don't like to double up on players. But Leo Chanel's like, no, you're not stealing this guy from us talking about him, Nick Flotta. Leo Chanel's my guy. Uh, pro- processes and diagnoses plays really quickly while using his instincts. Now, there's times where he can be undisciplined in a run fit, but those times I, I feel are rare. And those instincts are going to lead to huge tackles, uh, tackle for loss plays. Here's the thing that is really like just odd, uh, and maybe not with Nakobe Dean. His hand pop, his he's got powerful hands, and he's got great placement. He just displaces offensive alignment. He's able to disengage blockers with his hands and quickness, uh, you know, and and you know foot foot quickness. Uh, I think he plays the the position very uh, disciplined. Like he keeps his hips square with the line of scrimmage while scraping over. Uh, I don't think he's the best tackler in open space, and I think that's 
probably like his biggest weakness is might be just a, overall agility. Very small arm length, so maybe that's part of it. With yeah, tackling. Um, he he d- makes all the dirty work plays on the back of screens, etc. And coverage. People say, "Oh, he's not great in coverage." I I disagree. I saw him many times shut down progressions on over routes, on stick concepts, like just shut down the progressions. It would lead to, you know, coverage sacks. Um, if you put him in man coverage, he likes to get physical. Uh, I think he can get in trouble with illegal contact there. But again, people don't realize, and I think this is, might be a talking point and I'm cooking up. I think linebacker coverage is a luxury and not a need. Because uh, linebackers don't cover tight ends anymore. They don't. They cover running backs in the flat and they play their spots in zone. And also, um, linebackers are starting to come off the field on passing downs, you know, more more and more frequently as the league kind of goes on well, too. You draft a guy this high, you don't want to come off the field. But I do think he's good in coverage. And again, like always, oh, not great in man coverage. Well, again, he's not going to be put in man coverage snaps except for the running back, and those are honestly kind of easy reps. Like Tay Crowder was able to to do those type of things unless they lined him out wide, and that's when you need to be careful with a guy. Um, but he gets to a spot. He like he keeps his eyes on the QB, um, and then as a pass rusher. He made Tyler Lindebaum look stupid. Like, look stupid. Uh, and his blitzing, is, he can win one-on-one reps with his hand, uh, hands and quickness. And, you know, scheme-related timing stuff. Like, he did that really well, you know. And it's, there's there was one rep where it's like, oh, he's a free rusher. Of course he got a sack. It's like, no, he fooled. The, he fooled this front by the way he played up and then jumped the gap and then was able to finish with his speed and agility. You know, you don't get eight sacks for no reason on the inside linebacker play. It's not because of scheme. And Leo Chanel, man, he's he's a love it player. I think he should be in play for the Giants at 36, uh, you know, among a handful of players. You can't be taking my line of love it player because that's exactly what I – man, he, he's like a love it, got to have it fringe because at 36, he's there. Like, it, he's an option that I'm that I would really like. Yeah, no doubt. Like he definitely should be an option. Um, I don't care what mock drafts say or or draft gurus say. I do think he should be an option at thirty six. Yeah, I'm with not, you. Not the option, a um, option, but a yes, a option. They come away with Leo Chanel there. I think he's going to be an awesome player in the league. Uh, and know, I mean, and- listen to this combination of of you know sort of measurables: ninetieth percentile for weight at the linebacker spot, eighty seventh percentile for forty yard dash, which it's like, yeah, all right, forty yard dash, whatever. But the explosiveness stuff, 97th percentile for vertical jump and 95th percentile for broad jump. That's in that's insane for a guy that's 250 pounds to put up those explosivity numbers for an interior linebacker where, you know, remember that there's N'Kobe Deans in this class. There's a, a Samoa's in this class that there's a Troy Anderson's in this class that are running like running backs. And this guy's doing it at 250 pounds. Yeah, I, I'm 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 in full bloom love with Leo Chanel. He's one of my, again, uh, you know, top player, one of the top, one of my favorite players in this draft. I always find those like not first round linebackers I fall in love with. Leo Chanel is is that guy for me this year. Um, oh, I just else? checked my notes. I just checked my notes. By the way, I was wrong. I he's not a love it player. He's a got to have it player. I oh, I did that? write it down. Love it like Callahan coffee. Uh, all right, next player, Quay Walker. We're hitting another Georgia linebacker. Shut up about Georgia. We can't this year. They have 12 uh, players that uh, are going to be starters on defense. Quay Walker, <laughs> crazy. linebacker out of Georgia. Let's look at his size. Oh, well, he's just six foot four, 241 pounds. Ran a 4'5", 240 at that size. Uh, you know, there was a trio of linebackers at Georgia with him, Tyndall, uh, and then obviously, you know, Kobe Dean looked talk about. So he and he had 65 tackles, a sack and a half, five and a half tackles for loss. So not wowing stats, but good enough. 
He's your every down, like prototypical uh, type of linebacker with his size, strength, and athleticism. Yeah, and that's uh, that was going to be my my main question to you. I think Quay Walker. No, I think Nicobe Dean's going to be the better pro, but Quay Walker fits the NFL the best. Yeah, like right Nicobe Dean's got a size issue, um, but I think Walker's a high IQ player who understands his assignment and, and he like he does it every single rep. Uh, I think he like I think he diagnoses run plays better than Nicobe Dean does. Um, and he, like he plays to his fit, even when the offense makes it really muddy with whether it's misdirection and motion and stuff. I feel like he does a really good job of it. Um, I think he's got adequate speed, but out of the three Georgia linebackers, I do think he is the slowest. Um, but that's that, not, like, again, that's not that's not saying that he's slow. It's just saying that he is the slowest out of those two other freak athletes. Yeah, and again, like we're we're after. I think after the top three guys, there is like a step down to these next this next group. Uh, I think he's inconsistent taking all blocks, but he does have the strength to disengage. But he just needs to use his hands better, which is something that coaching can't teach. Doesn't mean it's going to be guaranteed to teach. And, and he does bring power when he wants to. Um, I just think he tries to run through blocks instead of disengaging or beating them to a spot. And part of that comes with being a, a you know, you know, wait till you see it to go type of player that Quay Walker is. So I think he needs some better instincts. I don't think he's ever going to be a playmaker like Nicobe Dean's. A, like these last three guys to talk about are playmakers. I don't think he's ever going to be a huge playmaker in the run game, but he is going to do his job. And, and like as a blitzer, he brings a pop. But that's kind of it. Here's where I will be. I was surprised. He's really good in coverage. Like, unreal, like, both in zone and man coverage. Like, he can keep his eyes on the QB while diagnosing route uh, concepts and seeing their patterns and, and matching with them. Like, he closes progressions with his instincts uh, and, and man coverage. Like, he's, like, unlike Chanel, where Chanel can get too handsy, like, he gets his hands on and then he's in your hip and he's running with you. Like, I was surprised when I put on the tape uh, and watch Quay Walker like just running with guys and running with even receivers that time on over routes. Like he, I was very surprised to see how good he was in coverage. He had a nine point six six relative athletic score. Um, I think he's just a, he's a balanced player. Where I don't think he has a lot of elite qualities, but I also don't think he has a lot of negatives to his game. And I think that's what separates him from being a top tier guy with like the Devin Lloyd's and Kobe Dean's of the world. And then that also separates him from being on the level of, you know, the Mumas and, you know, I guess Christian Harris is going to be next too. Because he doesn't have some glaring holes in his game, that's what kind of keeps him on this, like, kind of like a little level of his own. Yeah. Um. So, Quay Walker. All right, just why don't you read the ad before we get into the next group of, uh, of cats. Yeah, so we have a new sponsor, and I've been actually using their product somewhat quite often recently, Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1, that is what the product is called, I started taking AG1 because I'm on a diet, as everybody knows, I'm almost up to 50 pounds lost. I started taking AG1 because the diet that I'm on has me at a little bit of a calorie deficit. And what AG1, I start off my morning, every morning now for the last two weeks, I've started my morning off with AG1, which is in this box for the YouTube crowd. And simply, I put 12, I put 12 grams of AG1 into my glass of water every morning, and that gives me the vitamins and the fuels that I need to kind of stay fresh, stay alert, and it helps me feel really, really good. So, 
One delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics to help start your day right. It's how I start off my day. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. All the things, especially I need that during draft season because we're grinding over here. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, nasty, hear that? Or artificial anything while still tasting good. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Damn right. So, right now it's time to reclaim your health and your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you free, wow, free, one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash giants. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash giants to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I've done it. I've enjoyed it. That's fantastic. I had a great uh, tweet while you were reading the ad. Thank you. It was, uh, you know how Kadarius Tony got got? Well, he didn't really get got, but, you know, the, the whole Wes Steinberg thing. Yeah. He got well, got. Yeah, he got I screenshotted it and quote tweeted, you know, NYG's Daily saying, I must be fun at parties, and quote tweeted it with a screenshot of the tweet saying, I don't even go to parties. <laughs> fun. Um, that was good. Yeah, really, you know, me just thinking on my feet. How about that? All right, next guy on this list. And I think we're taking, you know, I, I view those all, all those other guys as round one, round two guys. And I think we're talking next about borderline guys that are round two, round three. Um, and next on this list is a player that I like and I think can be great, but I'm not in love with. And that's Christian Harris, linebacker out of Alabama, who's six foot, 226 pounds. He's got a pretty good frame. He looks taller than six foot, which is, you know, when he tested in a six foot, I was surprised by that. He looks like six four on tape. Um, Ran a four 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 forty of you know a Wendy's forty a four four four, just wow. ball, you know I just thought of that uh, you know uh, man I'm quick today. Um, <laughs> this past year he had eighty tackles five and a half sacks eleven and a half tackles for a loss. Justin obviously you see the forty time and that shows up on on tape. He's got great speed burst and short range and and on the perimeter. Um, I think he takes on blocks well with his hand pop and, and he does have a deconstruction plan. Uh, the speed, the straight line speed, I think translates to agility. Like he's got a good agility. He's got a good feel for slipping under blocks as they approach. Here's the thing. I think he's a slow processor and I, he rarely makes plays at the line of scrimmage for me. Uh, and I think he can mess up run fits. He can be out of place and just being paired with out being out of place at times. I think he just doesn't have the great instinct plays. But again, like that's that's how much do you think you can work with that with Christian Harris? Yeah. You know, like Jamin Davis, uh, he maybe doesn't have the same athletic profile as Jamin Davis, but I didn't like Jamin Davis last year, and I was blown away. You know, I try not to trash talk the opponent, you know, the NFC East rivals too much, especially on draft day because you know, there's no winning. But in my brain, I was like, I can't believe Jamin Davis went twenty. I didn't even know if I would take him in the early second. You know, and Dave Gellman picked, but was picking between Jamin Davis and Tony, supposedly. Like, he admitted that. Not supposedly, I guess. He did admit that. And that's kind of some of the things that remind me about Christian Harris. That being said, in coverage, he can be a huge asset with his speed. Uh, you know, he picks up his his, his route concepts and, and zone and turns them into man. When he's in off-man coverage, he needs to jump more routes, like stick concepts. But again, I don't know how often... Um, he's going to be in those situations. But when he is glued as a, like in, on a guy as a trailer, he does glue to guys. 
He doesn't bite, and he doesn't bite on play action, which is part of the no, inst- you know, it's the good and evil of, of instincts and being aggressive. He doesn't bite on play action, so he gets back underneath uh, crossing routes. Um, so, and his speed does make him an asset as like a timing pass rusher. Again, it's just like he's he's a guy who's got all the traits, but I don't know if he's going to be a good linebacker. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Christian Harris joins the line of guys, and he even just, you know, he continues the trend because there's going to be some guys after him too. These linebackers are just fly-around-the-field linebackers. Like, just uh, they can go sideline to sideline, and it's just insane seeing how athletic, fast, and aggressive these guys are, you know, playing with the disregard for your body. Um, you know, Christian Harris joins the crowd of this year's crop of interior linebackers. Um, aggressive, powerful, physical blitzer like Bobby talked about. Doesn't just have the speed, can bring the pop too. There's some guys in this draft class that, you know, all they have is that speed, but he can bring the pop too. Um, yeah, it's the it's the mental lapses for me. You know, we're not rec- if you don't if you're not recognizing right away, you know, whatever blocking schemes happening in front of you or whatever plays happening in front of you right away, then if you lose that half a second off the snap, then you've lost the play, at least at the NFL level. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter if you have all the speed in the world to make up for it. Um, you know, you've you've lost it in the NFL. So can Christian Harris kind of get to that point where the instincts and football IQ can get there with his athleticism? And again, I don't know how teachable, the, like you say, well, you got the frame, you got the speed, like I can teach you the rest. Um, I don't know, like, Jamin Davis had those huge issues it's feel. at Washington. It's, it's all feel, too. You know, it's not just can you run around the field and go sideline to sideline, but is it feel for the game? Um, and that's tough. Well, and I saw a draft analyst who actually does some stuff for a Washington football team, and he had a tweet about Jamin Davis, like, oh, I think he's going to get better. And here, like, showed an example of two reps. It's like, here's one that's eight yards down the field where he's slow to react. And the other one was when we did the Alex Bachman speed sweep, and he just ran up field off and he was lined up on the edge like that those are your two examples of him being a good player like I don't yeah, any, think anytime the is... anytime the giants put a, a, a wide receiver motion at the snap it meant that they were getting the football so congratulations and he was lined up on the edge but that that being said i do think he has better instincts than jamie davis uh you know and, and better processing i just use jamie davis as an example yeah um you know uh but at the same time he doesn't have maybe the athletic profile as as a jamie davis yeah um and also that, christian harris a note that I have as hasn't shown great improvement from year to year. Just feel like he's been, he's been at the level that he's been at right now from year to year. So if you're, you know, if you're trying to project how a guy grows in the NFL, look at his time in college too. And if he's gotten better there. Right. All right. Next player on this list, Brian Asamoah, linebacker out of Oklahoma, six foot, 226 pounds, four, five, six, 40. Uh, this past year in 12 games, 80 tackles a sack, three and a half tackles for loss, which I was surprised to not see him have some bigger numbers in those spots. I'm really interested to see what happens with his NFL career, not even good or bad, just how he's used. He's a small, fast linebacker, but to me, he reminds me of a box safety. You know, mm. like if he's a linebacker, like then Jabril Peppers is a linebacker at times. Yeah. Like, he, yeah, like he plays like a box safety. And again, he won't be able to handle that Mike linebacker in the NFL. But he's got really good speed and burst with really good instincts. He plays aggressive downhill. He's just an overall playmaker, which is surprising when you see this, his actual stats. But, like, he plays like that. Like, he's really agile. He can slip blocks. He can win with angles. I think he's a solid processor. But at the same time, like a box safety, it can be a lot of guessing as well. But he's horrible taking on blocks. He gets dominated. If you if the player gets his hands on him, you get dominated. You can't just rely on speed and 
and aggressiveness right. in the NFL, you're going to be taken advantage of. Um, and and it's not just like oh he doesn't maybe have the size or the strength. Like no, he's got bad technique. Uh, you know, which makes him an easy block. Like if he doesn't win initially with his speed, like he gets uh, you know destroyed. You know, we've seen we've seen even top rated guys who are kind of like these speed. You know, Isaiah Simmons who really struggled to start. It's like yeah, you can't. You can't just be more athletic in the NFL. Like you gotta, you gotta learn how to play linebacker. Mm. Um, I have that point. Yeah, how about that? Uh, you know, uh, he's not a great tackler, especially in the open field. In coverage, obviously, though, like I think a, there is, I think linebackers are getting better at coverage. But you know, like he's the total package. Like you put him in man, he'll do well. You can play like that Tampa two uh, deep, deep middle. Um, and just and then obviously every other zone he picks up his route concepts and turns in the man so like he's the total package uh when you think of a coverage linebacker but you know the past couple years i was always like a give me a smaller speed guy even if he transfers from safety to linebacker and i think i'm slowly going back to like you know what i kind of want my linebackers a little bigger and being able to deconstruct run plays you know like I'm, i think i'm going back into that being what i want out of the linebacker and brian asamoah is the like he is like the what what analytics is trying to turn linebackers into nowadays. No, but I agree with your approach, and and I think your approach is actually analytically advanced, but you're just not thinking it because linebackers, defensive linemen, their their job should be to stop the run, whereas everybody in the secondary, their job should be to stop the pass. So the less guys that you can have in the box, the better, so to speak. So you can put more secondary players back to defend the pass and stop the explosive play. That's the NFL. So I'm I'm there with you with wanting a little bit more of a of a physical linebacker, even if he isn't the most athletic and can't go sideline to sideline. Um, but Asamoah again, join the crowd of just linebackers that can go oh, guys that can go sideline to sideline. I won't even call him a, officially a linebacker right now, but I'm giving him this year's honorary play like a madman with no regard for the safety of your own body. Like basically what you know the the award that I gave Joseph Asai last year, Brian Asamoah is officially getting the award this year. So he's a fun fun player to watch, extremely extremely fun. Um, and also you mentioned coverage, fact that he went to Oklahoma. If you're going to be playing in the Big Twelve, uh, you better be good at defending the pass. So he had the fourth most uh coverage stops in the nation this year, um, according to PFF. And it's hard to judge these linebackers in the Big Twelve, by the way. It, it's funky. It really it's really is. funky. Yeah. So that's why, like, when you talk about him taking on blocks and, you know, trying to defend the run, well, obviously they run the ball in the Big 12, but you're asked to do a lot more different things in the Big 12 as opposed to, like, the SEC or the Big 10 stuff. Like, like I that. hate watching linebackers play versus Big 12 offenses. It's funky. Like, this it's very this funky. is not transferable to the NFL at all. Um, and maybe that those offenses will, you know, trickle up eventually. But it's like, this is just not NFL football yeah. that we're watching right here. Yeah, but uh, depending on how the board between falls. The tackle boxes. But if depending on how the board falls, you know, if, if Asamo was there in the fourth, fifth round. Yeah, oh yeah, I would love it. I would love it. He'd be a fun player to to grab if, if he yeah. falls like that, you know. And, and I think he could be someone that does fall. Um, and while, you know. People like us in draft Twitter are yelling like, "Come on, someone take Brian Asamoah!" Yeah. You know, every 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 team's fan base is, you know, beginning of fourth round like Brian Asamoah, Brian Asamoah. But I could see him falling in the NFL's eyes because he's reckless. Uh, he's very reckless. Yeah, and he's just bad versus like the run. Uh, yeah. Unless he's going for, moving forward like at the snap. Yep. Um. So another uh, next on this list is a guy um, who I actually do kind of have a hard time getting a read on. Um, and that's Chad Muma, linebacker out of Wyoming, six foot three, two hundred thirty nine pounds. He'd look really good at the Senior Bowl when we were down there. 
he did all of the the combine stuff. Ran a four six three forty, a nice forty inch vertical jump, twenty seven bench reps, four two eight shuttle, and a seven zero six three cone drill. In thirteen games, one hundred forty two tackles, so eleven and a half tackles per game, or eleven tackles per game essentially. Uh, a, a sack and a half, eight tackles for loss, three interceptions. So not po- uh, eye popping numbers in those categories besides the interception size, interception stats. He's your prototypical size, uh, size with you know good good athleticism, but I think he needs to polish his game more. Uh, I think his speed is adequate, but he can play a little uh, out of control. It's going to be interesting to see. I do think he's a player you can get into control, and he has the size and he has measurables. I think this is. I do think Chad Moomo is going to be a good linebacker in the NFL. Um, you know, like I think he's uh, he's a lot safer than like Brian Asmo, who we just talked about. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, he, he can play, like he plays aggressive sideline to sideline, but he's a little more hesitant between the tackles. You know, I like if if you're for, if you're playing versus like an outside zone team, he's flowing, he's flowing, but at the same time, he can get so aggressive that it can lead to cutback. So it's finding uh, that in, uh, you know, like finding that middle ground with it. You know, in in the between the tackles, I think he does a, a good job fighting through the half man relationship. Uh, he just needs to really deconstruct blocks better with his hands, and and, and but he does stay square, and you, like you, you can see him p- like putting it all together. I really do uh, see Muma putting it all together. Um, uh, I think he does a good job of using his hips and eyes and coverage. Like he doesn't, he's not like a eyes on the QB. He gets to your spot guy, um, and he's not just like um, eyes. You know, you know, you got your head facing the quarterback, looking at the pickup. Like he does a good job of playing both. Um, they use him as that Tampa two deep linebacker as well too, which is a good sign when you're coming into the NFL. Um, he's a hard guy to get a read on Justin, but I do think he'll be a, at least a solid pro. Yeah. It may take a little time, you know, cause he went to Wyoming. Wyoming has some produ- has produced some pretty good interior linebackers. Logan Wilson was really good for the Bengals. Like he was balling during the, se- the Super Bowl, And I, and I loved him. I loved Logan Wilson. Another guy that could fly sideline to sideline, but that's not the only thing that he did. Logan Wilson. Now I do think Logan Wilson's better than Muma. I think he's actually much better. Yeah. As a prospect, um, but I do think Muma plays kind of calm control. I, I didn't see a ton. I I saw Muma playing like a bat out of hell when he needed to. So maybe you know when you're talking about those outside zone plays over pursuing, and when he's playing like a bat out of hell. But also I see a lot of times where sometimes he can be too patient, but he's calm in control and he's balanced, and I think he does move well laterally too, where he's not just focusing on that sideline to sideline speed but I do think he can move well laterally and he's not a you know just always playing at one speed kind of player so that's what you know you kind of like to see that from a linebacker balanced I also think he understands that making the play isn't always the main objective but preventing offenses from doing what they want to do and allowing there's 10 other guys on the football field to come and make a play I think Muma gets that aspect of it too where again against outside zone I'm going to sit at this point so this running back cannot get the sideline like he wants to. I'm going to sit here so he has so he has to kind of cut it back and then there's 10 other guys that can make the play. So I I saw a little bit of that too. Um but I think Bobby and I some of our observations are a little different and I think that <laughs> it's what makes it a little tough to uh project Muma and what exactly he is and what he can be. Yeah, it, you know, he plays at the small school, but he did look good down in, in Mobile, which is it's hard to judge linebackers down there. Um, but Muma kind of was holding up all, all right in every area. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about this next guy, and then we can do uh, – actually, no, you do an advertisement, and then we'll talk about the next guy. How about that? Yes. And the next guy is a guy ad. we both like. One more ad. Do, 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 do. 
Boom, boom, boom. Every year in the NFL, we look forward to a generational player. But a sure thing like Quentin Nelson, ouch. Manscaped with the Quentin Nelson drop in the ad read. Doesn't come each draft. The only true guaranteed quality pickup this season is Manscaped. The leaders in below the waist grooming, and the also the only thing guaranteed is that Manscaped is going to be sponsoring our draft stream, which we thank them so very much. And we're going to have a hell of a time for three days straight. So you should be watching that on YouTube whenever we go live. The best coaches always think ahead, so make sure you check your crotch garden before it gets more out of hand than the Jets O-line. Now you see... Can be corny sometimes, though. That was a good one. With Manscaped, the Performance Package 4.0, your skill position will be sleek and smooth enough for a sub 4.340. Uh, a little, little faster than I was this year. Support us and head over to manscaped.com and use the code GIANTS at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping. So, Performance Package 4.0, you know what you get. You get the Lawnmower 4.0. You're going to get the nose and ear and hair trimmer, uh, the weed whacker. You're going to get the performance package, and get that crop preserver as well. So 20% off and free shipping with the code Giants at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use code Giants. Turn your Mr. Irrelevant, love that, to a first-round pick with Manscaped. That was really punny and awesome. Freaking fan. Fan freaking tastic. You know who's the guy that we like next? Who? And that's Malcolm Rodriguez, linebacker oh, yeah. at Oklahoma State. He's small. 5'11", 232 pounds, but he ran a 4'5", 240, had a 39.5-inch vertical jump. This past, he's, he's been a four-year starter for Oklahoma State. Uh, this past year, he had 129 tackles, three sacks, 16 uh, tackles for loss, and a pick. He's a small, stout linebacker who plays like a ball of energy. Um, you know, good overall athlete with good closing speed, and I think he's a solid tacker, and he delivers a blow. Um he, he plays with great technique. Like, his shoulders are always square at the line of scrimmage. Yes. Uh, you know, he's not the quickest diagnoser in the world, but he is correct in what he does. You know, he doesn't make mistakes. Uh, and he does. He overall does play with a downhill mindset. Uh, with that size, he's able to get under O-line's pads and, and, and really knock them back. Like, there are some reps where it's like, man, he just kind of, like, cleaned this offensive lineman's clock. That being said, he doesn't have quick wins. Uh, but he does use his hands well and disengages, and I think part of that is just the size. He can he can get killed overplaying on like misdirection and play action. Like I guess I guess he doesn't fit uh, his run correct correct every single time. Uh, like he can get fooled by misdirection. Mm-hmm. Um, gets to a spot in coverage. I don't think he's like bad in coverage or necessarily good. But you know, there's uh, you know he he, he just kind of gets to a spot and plays it. You know, there's some advanced there's some good pass reps and some bad ones. Uh, and man coverage, I think he's way too aggressive. Uh, he gets, he tries to get physical and like do bump and run and he just gets beat badly. Um, and as a blitzer, he's a good timing blitzer. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how his career plays out. Cause he's a solid linebacker, but he's undersized. So I, I could see him going in the fourth round and I can see him being seventh undrafted. He's fun, man. He and he's not just fun because oh, he's an athlete. He can fly sideline to sideline, but he's fun because he's a he's a he was a good football player in college. He may not be a good football player in the pros, but Malcolm Rodriguez was a good football player for Oklahoma State, and he yes. was very very fun to watch. Um, he was a four year player, and he was a two year captain. 
He was like the captain and the quarterback of that Oklahoma State defense, you know, from, you know, from I, I like to what I like to read sometimes is seeing like, oh, if there's a compliment of you being a good leader, then I think that's good. And that's worth noting. Um, and Malcolm Rodriguez certainly has that 60 consecutive games, durability and consistency. There's just some plays where like, you know, he's not the best athlete in the world. And yet he's limited by his length and he's an, an undersized and stuff like that. But there are just some plays that he made. Like there was a play where it was Baylor, uh, Oklahoma state, the big 12 championship. And he's getting double teamed. He gets his, he gets his ass kicked off the line, but he recovers. Well, sheds one of the blocks dives at a Baylor running back, gets a hand on the football forces a fumble. And you're like, how did you go from getting your ass kicked by two 300 plus pound offensive linemen to then diving and forcing a fumble? Um, he also has an elite, uh, an elite background in wrestling too. I believe he's a two time state champion in wrestling and he plays like it too. He play, he plays like he's like, he's wrestling. Like I was talking about with John Ridgeway in the interior D line episode, like those, you can watch those guys. I'm like, yeah, this guy definitely does have a background in wrestling. So, how many fumbles did you say he forced? He forced 13 forced fumbles. Um, that's yes, insane. thirteen. That's insane. That's yeah. insane. He makes plays. He makes plays, and he's and he's a good football player. And and when when we're talking about getting to the fourth, fifth round, it's different when we're talking about rounds one through three, where it's like you better kind of be, you kind of have to match the athleticism and being a good football player together, right? But when you're talking about fourth, fifth round and day three, if you're a fun prospect, I like it, and I kind of would, I'd be down if you were on the team. Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely. F- uh, fair, uh, but yeah, he's, he's he's like you said, he's a fun player to watch. But it's like I can see a team being like loving everything he's about yeah. and picking him in the round four, and I could see a team, I could see him getting undrafted. Like, um, realistically, you're betting on this is what I wrote down: instincts, good technique, and some level of quickness. You're betting on those three three things: instincts, good technique, and some level of quickness. Speaking of which, I don't know why that reminded me, but we're not talking about Troy Anderson on this podcast. And I know well, we're gonna we get can't a look. because there's we, not a lot of film available. <laughs> I may have found some, but it's like it's gonna take you like three hours, you know, two hours to go through. It's gonna be a pain. In the, like it's literally like full game, like broadcast angle. So I'm gonna hope I can get some real film on him. Uh, and then if not, I'll just go. Th- I'll the, you know the week before the draft is I fill in the holes, I fill in the cracks of guys I missed. I'll do that. I was so frustrated because I do not. I do not watch guys' highlight tapes. I refuse to watch highlight tapes, and I was trying to find. I couldn't find anything. I was like, God damn it! Let me just watch this guy's highlight tape so I can get an idea of him. You know, it's, it's a pain in the ass trying to go through the Senior Bowl game film. Um, and then it's like he's all he's all his highlights are at quarterback. It's like, well, this is not helpful at all. Uh, um, he started out at Montana State as a running back and safety his freshman season, um, and then he went to. Oh, he was very successful at running back, won freshman of the year. Then he went to QB. Then he went back to running back, and then he started to convert to linebacker. Yeah, so he sounds like an exciting player, and he is fast. I watched some senior bowl reps of him, um, and and it was like, oh, this guy's kind of fun. So I will have an evaluation on him before the draft, but I, I just it would have taken me forever to get one done before this podcast. Troy Anderson is 6'3", 243 pounds from Montana State. Um, 9.98 relative athletic score that is fifth best out of all linebackers from the year 1987 to 2022. Which confuses me when people talk about how good he is. It's like, how the hell do you watch him? Like, what Correct. are you talking about? 
Where are you getting this information from? Yeah, I, I, I watch again. I, same thing with you. The only thing that I could find was the highlight tape, and I just saw that he was. And I, and I watched some senior bowl reps that were on YouTube. That's it. It's all I was yeah. able to find. We will have an evaluation before the draft kicks off. Uh, next on the list, two more to go. Brandon Smith, linebacker at Penn State, was actually one of the very first guys I uh, evaluated. Six foot two, two hundred forty one pounds, four five two forty. Had 81 tackles, two ta- sacks, nine tackles for a loss. He's got awesome speed for a linebacker, and that shows up on tape. Like I think he was like an elite high school prospect because of that speed. Uh, like and, and his best plays are out on the perimeter in space. He just doesn't know how to play a linebacker to me. Like he's very very slow to diagnose and blockers get into him easily. Doesn't deconstruct blocks with his hands through contact. Um, he could wreak havoc shooting gaps, but he just doesn't do it. And part of that is a little bit of scheme. But at the end of the day, it's like you can't be just a gap shooter when you're playing linebacker. Uh, I think he's a, he's a bad tackler. Like he doesn't load up and he arm tackles a ton. Um, he, he's good in coverage, but you know, for as bad as he is as playing like the linebacker spot, it's, it's interesting. Like he's a Penn State guy and he's got a, he's a hell of an athlete, but um, I, I I don't know. How, like he's gonna have to grow a lot to be a, a contributing linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, um, I'll I'll keep this one kind of brief. Lot to like about the athlete, but actual play leaves a lot to be desired. There's a lot of arm tackles um, that are involved there. I mean, especially another freak, by the way, six three, two hundred fifty pounds, and he's an insane athlete. Um, but again, playing the game of football, like his how speed shows that, up on tape. You know, yeah, it's not just yeah, and how can that part of your game develop? Tough. I don't really like him. Yeah, me, me either. But I'm one to throw the Penn State guy in there. Um, Jesse Lukita, I had him as an edge. You know, he might play off ball a little bit. All right, last on this list. This is an interesting prospect. Darian Beaver's linebacker. And this isn't ranked. Uh, this is not our linebacker rankings, by the way. So, I, like, I don't have Beaver's ranked last. Darian Beaver's linebacker out of Cincinnati. Six foot four, 237 pounds. Uh, 36 and a half inch vertical, 428 uh, shuttle. This past he uh, transferred from UConn in 2019, and and he is a super senior. Like he's he's played snaps in the last five seasons in college. This past season, he had 98 tackles, four sacks, uh, 11 tackles for loss, and a pick. He's a big thumping linebacker, and he plays like it. Uh, you know, he's he's versatile to be moved all around. As like an, I guess see him as a hybrid outside linebacker. Um, you know, like I can see him being on the Patriots because they like they try like to use guys uh, like Beavers, and he's very active with Dante Hightower. Yeah, but Hightower's really good. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but he, yeah, he's bigger but, too. But even like, you know, a guy like Van Noy or somebody, uh, mm. but also Van Noy's better. But he's got very active hands, uh, shed blockers. He's ability to slip under, and he, he can shoot gaps well when he's given the green light as a blitzer. Um, physical player with strong base. Uh, he's just a, he's a below average athlete with bad burst. Um, and that bad burst leads to missed tackles or tackling or, or grasping low on guys. Um, if you put him in a like a straight like gap integrity scheme, he can he could fit in a little bit. Uh, uh, or you again, you put him at outside linebacker reps, and I, I think he's adequate in zone, but he's not a, he's not a huge help. And and if you put him in man coverage, he's going to give you issues. Which you know we talked about linebacker coverage earlier, but like he's he, if you try and put him in man coverage, he's going to give you issues. Um, even when you're throwing the swing pass to the running back, the running back's probably going to make him miss. Um, so he's he's got a lot of plus traits, but again, it's you know. Uh, you know, like a Cincinnati guy we talked about on Tuesday with with uh, with me for Desmond Ritter, where uh, you know a couple people are like, well, why don't you like Desmond Ritter? He does a lot of things well. It's like, but to me, the arm talent is a prerequisite, and his is below average. And I think 
Beavers has below average NFL athleticism. Somebody like uh, Kyle Shanahan is begging dummy Pete Carroll to take this guy because then that will be the guy that Kyle Shanahan just goes after. Now, not to say that this guy may be drafted fourth, fifth round, not to say that he's playing right away, but if he does find playing time, that's the guy that Kyle Shanahan is circling on his defense. That's that's what Shanahan loves to do, attack linebackers. I'm attacking this guy and forcing him to go sideline to sideline when that's not what he does. Um, He's a physical old school linebacker that struggles to move out in space if, if he's asked to. And I finally, now I can understand the phrase, like, wins and plays in a phone booth watching this guy. I'm like, oh, that makes sense now because that's how he wins. He doesn't move very well. He would win in a phone booth, and he would win in a fight in there. So I get that now. And he's also one of these linebackers that has edge experience, which not a lot of these guys kind of did both. Now, I don't think he's very good. Um, I don't think he should be getting any edge reps at all in the NFL. But I thought that was fun. You saw some tackles for loss and sacks that came from him lining up at edge. And you don't see a lot of these linebackers do that besides Devin Lloyd and you know, maybe some of the Georgia guys. Yeah, you, you're not comparing him to edge to like go like all right, go get the QB. But like you play the run well, be able to, you know, um, add some coverage ability from that spot where you're playing the flats and being able to, you know, be able to deconstruct in the run game. So like that's where he'll be, you know, when we say putting him at outside linebacker like the Patriots would, it's not to just all right, go get after the passer like you would at Devin Lloyd. Um uh, but it's like, I, you know, it's, an, it's kind of playing that three or four outside linebacker. Um, so that's uh, where you can see him. That's so we're hitting one hour, 10 minutes with all these draft episodes. Do you think we should? I want to ask the listeners, do you think we should go down to eight players um, and keep them to an hour? Or should we, you know, continue to do 10 players and do an hour and 10 minutes? Because I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying doing it at an hour and 10 minutes, but I also always have a goal to keep podcasts under an hour. But it, you know what? It's. It's draft month, and I got no problem with it. So you guys, you guys, let us know what you want to do. How yeah, do you feel know. about it, Justin? Um, I think YouTube people don't like it. I think podcast people love it. Okay. Well, the YouTube people are com are the ones who comment, so we, they're the ones who need to tell us. They're also the ones that fucking complain a lot. Sorry. Well, they're also gonna they're gonna be listening to the end, the very end of this episode. So you know what? They're maybe they're not the people to ask. That's true. Um, I'm also going to be helping out the YouTube people this episode by adding pictures. Um, I thought that kind of just putting the order of people in the description would be good enough, but I am going to put pictures because I can understand if somebody wants to skip a player and go to the next one, I get it. So I'll be fucking putting pictures in because I edit these episodes enough, but I'll work a little bit harder for everybody. We used to do 12, but... With 12, it was very much like, all right, you were talking about your guy, me talking about your guy. You know, like, it was very... I've enjoyed no, these episodes. I have a lot yeah, of fun. 10 players, it's like, okay, we're going a little long, but it's also very conversational. Like, I feel like we found a, a happy balance where it's like, hey, these episodes are going to go a little longer than the, your normal podcast, but also um, they're going to be good and interesting. So, uh, and just talking about eight players just doesn't feel like enough. Like, I know most podcasts don't do as much as we do. Um you know, they'll kind of just talk about top guys and one, two, an episode and go for, you know, get as many clicks as an episode. But I do like the way we do it. I didn't want to sacrifice that. So, yeah. All right. So I answered the question. So don't even bother commenting because I we already made our decision. So we appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, we're back on Tuesday with the wide receiver group, which is fun. Uh, and there's like seven guys you can make the argument for as like, you know, a top two wide receiver. So uh, that'll, that'll be fun. Uh, to talk about. We appreciate you guys. Enjoy your weekend. Until then, let's go Big Blue.